This is the daily lectionary comments for October 16th. We're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 14. Uh, and talk about particularly tithes today and different kinds of tithes that uh, that the Israelites were commanded to bring in the sabbatical year. Also Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 24, the parable of the weeds. Our reading today from Deuteronomy chapter 14, actually most of chapter 14 deals with clean and unclean foods. We're skipping over all of that. And we're taking various verses that deal essentially with the, the tithes that the people were to offer and the care of the Levites and the care of the poor. It also begins with a, a, a quick uh, discussion of certain things that the holy of people of God were not to do. Namely, certain practices uh, that were done by the Canaanites and other, uh, and other uh, Gentiles, practices to show mourning or, or uh, for the dead. Uh, for example, cutting oneself. Um, th these were strictly forbidden uh, or shaving a patch of your head. Um, this is not something that you need to think about too much about what we do today, I guess, other than to say, I mean, we don't do that too much. Uh, <laughs> you don't see that in society much. Um, the idea of cutting yourself in mourning in order to conjure up spirits or something like that. But uh, the idea that the people of God are holy and therefore are not to deal with mourning the same way that unbelievers might deal with mourning, that is for sure. And we can certainly make that kind of an application. Now, otherwise, the bulk of our reading today is talking about uh, first tithes. Understand that the, the, the tithes, let's say, would would be uh, the, uh, the the 10th part and the first fruits, by the way, but the 10th part of your, um, uh, your produce that you're growing in the uh, farm or livestock and whatnot. These, these things would be brought every year to the temple. And then the, the people bringing the, uh, the uh, offerings uh, would, uh, would share in those offerings. They would eat from the, from the tithe of the offering there at the, uh, at the temple in a celebratory way. And by offering up the tenth of your produce, you're sort of uh, releasing the other nine tenths for using it however you want. Well, what was this tenth for? Well, in the first place, uh, it, it formed the basis of this wonderful celebratory meal. Uh, God has blessed you with all of this. You have brought it to his temple, and now you're going to partake in part of it uh, in celebration of all God's blessings. It was also used to take care of the Levites, the Levites and the priests. All of the other Israelites were given land, land from which they would make their living. But the Levites and the priests were given no land. Remember, the priests were all Levites. So the, the Levite, the tribe of Levi did not receive any land, and they, and, and they made their living serving the Lord in the temple. And therefore, these offerings were essentially their food and their sustenance. So by bringing the tenth of, of, the, uh, of your produce to the, to the temple, you are bringing a tenth of your produce in order that the Lord's work would continue there in the temple and all that the Levites were charged to do. Now, every three years, there was another tithe. It's actually not clear whether this was in addition to or uh, in replacement of the annual tithe that year. This tithe was a little bit different. Here, the tithe was not brought to the temple, but it was brought into whatever town you lived in, and every town would collect uh, every three years the, 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 a tenth of whatever was being grown and whatever's produced uh, by the Israelites in that town. And it was to be set aside. 
What was it to be used for? Well, taking care of the Levites who would live in your town, for example, because they would have no land and no means to support themselves. But note also that it was to, to be used to support widows, the fatherless, sojourners, uh, in other words, the poor and the vulnerable in the land. Um, so it was, it was a way of sort of like a pantry for those who, uh, who had no other means of supporting themselves. So uh, the people being faithful with their ties would alleviate the suffering of others who had sort of fallen on hard times. Now we have the issue of the sabbatical year. Every seventh year, all debts were forgiven. That is, debts that Israelites would have with other Israelites. They would be forgiven. So if I, if I loaned you money today uh, in the first year, and then in the seventh year, if you hadn't paid it back yet, whatever hadn't been paid back yet gets waived. It gets discharged. Well, what if I loan you money in the sixth year? Well, then whatever you can pay back in one year is fine. The rest of it gets discharged. Also, if you were my servant a servant because you were indebted to me, then I would also have to release you on, in the seventh year. The whole idea here is that people are not to be, uh, to be in, enslaved Israelites to one another permanently like this, permanently as debtors, permanently as servants, bond servants because of debt, but they were to be released and, and given their freedom and, and uh, freedom from debt and all of this. And a discussion here in this section was whether they would be poor among the people. In one place, here in this reading, Moses says, there shall be no poor among you. But in another place, in this very same reading, uh, Moses says, there will always be poor in the land. By the way, that's what Jesus was, uh, was uh, quoting when he said, the poor you will always have with you. So what does he mean? Well, in the first place, what he means is, if you are faithful in keeping all of my commandments, I will so rain upon you all kinds of blessings from heaven that this land will be very, very uh, wealthy. So there's not going to be many poor among you, no matter what, if you are faithful because this land will be so plentiful. But those who do fall on hard times for one reason or another will not be very poor and they won't be very poor for very long because you're going to bring your tithes and you are going to loan generously to to your your poor neighbor and whatnot like that and you are going to release them from repaying their debts every sabbatical year and in this way even if somebody does fall on hard times it won't be permanent it won't be a grinding poverty so that even poverty in the land uh, uh, in the holy land will not be the kind of poverty that that uh, that you might otherwise expect so both are true there's always going to be poor here but the poor are opportunities for those who are not poor to obey the lord and to open up their hand and to help those who are less fortunate so that they may not be poor either. And in this way, there will be no poverty in the land. So here's what Moses is talking about in, in, uh, in encouraging the people to faithfulness to God in the land so that all may enjoy the blessings of the Holy Land. In Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 24, Jesus is going to give us the parable of the weeds. Now, what is this parable about and how does it arise? The expectation among the Jews was that when God sent the Christ, when God sent the Messiah into the world, 
that that Messiah would come and set up a kingdom, and that kingdom, everywhere it would it went, would destroy the faithless and would establish a righteousness and, and abundance everywhere it went. I've used the example in the past of a huge field filled with wheat, uh, and and the kingdom of God is, would, would be uh, like a fire that starts at one corner of the field. And what will happen is the, the fire will burn and burn and burn and cross the entire field and burn the entire thing from one side to the next until the whole thing is consumed. So many Jews thought that the coming of the Messiah, the Christ, and the kingdom that he would set up would destroy the evils of this world like a fire would destroy a field and then in its place would be only righteousness all the time. But Jesus comes preaching a, a different kingdom than people expected. And, and so uh, he is obviously not setting up a kingdom that is, I mean, he's not preparing to take up arms. He's not preparing to destroy uh, everything uh, that stands in his way. And he tells this parable to let us know the difference between what people have been expecting and sometimes what people expect today and how it really goes. Even today, sometimes people think that, uh, say, in church, everything is wonderful all the time because that's the kingdom of God. We find out that everywhere in the world, though, righteousness and wickedness are intermixed and sometimes difficult to distinguish from one another. So Jesus tells this parable where uh, the world is being sown with uh, the word of God, and it is sprouting up, and the kingdom of God is coming. But it becomes noticeable after a time, after the after the plants are coming up, that there are weeds mixed among the the the, the plants that were sown, and the question is asked: How did this happen? I thought you only planted good seed. So in other words, the implication is that perhaps some of the wickedness in the world is God's fault. But uh, the owner of the field says, an enemy has done this. So in the parable, it's clear that God is not responsible for the wickedness in this, in the, in this world. And then the question is, well, what shall be done about it? You've got the weeds and you've got God's kingdom growing up. Um, if, if the kingdom is not going to displace the weeds like a fire running across, Across a field, then what are to be done with the weeds? Do you want us to pull them up now? And in the parable, of course, the answer is no, do not do that. But Jesus isn't denying that the kingdom of God is ultimately going to displace all the wickedness of this world, that in fact, like a fire burning up a field, the kingdom of God will ultimately do that, but not now, not yet, and not by us. That will be God's work. Because on the last day, he will send his angels into the world. And then when the kingdom comes like that, it will be like a fire sweeping across the field, burning up everything that is opposed to God. But that work must be done delicately. God and his holy angels will be doing that. We will not do that. We will be gathered by those same angels that are wiping out the wicked. But we are not responsible to wipe out the wicked. And meanwhile, we're going to have to live alongside with the weeds. Now, one of the important points in this parable, and frankly, in Jesus' preaching, is that, well, well, the parable makes it sound like you're always wheat or you're always weeds. In reality, one of the things that makes this very complicated is that we, wheat, were at one time weeds. 
And the weeds that we might want to pluck up are the very things for which Christ died and is reaching out by the power of his word in order to convert them and make them into wheat. Now, in the parable, it, you know, you don't want to make a parable try to walk on all fours. It wasn't meant to answer every question. It was an, meant to answer this. Should we expect weeds to give way to the wheat wherever the wheat goes, like a fire consuming a field? And the answer is no. The kingdom of God does replace and displace uh, wickedness in weeds by conversion, but those who do not convert continue to live in this world along with us, and we are not here to root them out. We try to convert them. If that doesn't work, then in the end, God will root them out. But that is, that is not something we are given to do. So the parable of the weeds. 